So church family, would you stand to your feet and would you join me in welcoming Pastor Sean Gala as he comes and shares God's word with us this morning. Well, good morning, Evangel Church. I have so much to say in so little time, so little time. Uh, if I could, just for a moment, um, it's weird whenever your best friend is also uh, the pastor of such a, an incredible church, um, but I just want you to know how much he's meant to, to, to Carly and I, my wife and I, and just the friendship. Like he said, uh, we've really been friends. You have those lifelong friends that you don't really even know how you became friends. It just was the, the kids that you rolled around the neighborhood with. Um, we were a couple hood rats, and we still are, deep down to our core. Um, but I, I'm just grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful that, that we've been able to, to see God do incredible things in us. And um, without your obedience, uh, we wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be here. Um, so thank you, uh, seriously, Pastor Chris, for, for how you've led and continue to lead and Really, it's just incredible as I, I get to stand here on his platform, just get to see all of you and just to see the God, uh, to see all that God's done even here at Evangel over the past two years. The last time we were here was a, a Sunday morning in October while my wife was pregnant. We just tried to get up to D.C., but anytime, or D.C., that's where I live, uh, to get up to New York and anytime we can, we just love to stop by. But just incredible to see how God's been moving here at Evangel Church. Well, if I, I can, I just want to ask you a few questions this morning. Uh, the first one is this. How many of you have ever run a 5K? Show of hands. You've run a 5K. All right. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. Can we give it up for our 5K runners? Awesome. How many of you in this room have ever done a 10K? A 10K? All right. Fewer hands. Fewer hands, but you guys get extra crowns in heaven. So congratulations, our 10K runners. How many in this room? have ever done a half marathon, 13.1. All right, I can see my runner back here for sure. All right, 13.1. All right, big question, the big question. How many of you have ever gone the full 26.2 miles? Anybody? All right, I see one hand, two hands. I see your hand. I see your hand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his favor rest upon you because you're crazy. So... <laughs> But as Chris said, I'm on staff at a church down in Virginia, and it's been incredible to see how God's moved. But one of the things I didn't understand whenever I first got there was that my senior pastor was a fitness nut, and he loved to run. And so one day he showed up and told the campus pastors, hey, guess what? You guys are doing a 5K with me. I said, wait, five, I don't even know what 5K is, so someone please educate me. And so I went and did the 5K, managed to not die that day, and so kudos, let's move on. And they said, guess what? We finished the 5K, now we're going to do 10Ks. I said, I have to do that twice? You've got to be kidding me. Like, I am not an athletic person, but I'm like, let's, let's do what we can. And then after I finished the 10K, he said, guess what we're going to do now? Half marathon. I said, dude, you're nuts. How many, how many miles is that? He said, 13.1. 13.1? My commute is shorter than 13.1 miles. And you expect me to run that on my feet? Like, can't call an Uber, can't do any of that stuff. No, you had to run. 
And I remember I got about six miles into this half marathon, and as I'm running this race, I get to this point in this park, and the, the, the pavement's all uneven, and so by the time I got out of the park, I could barely walk. I couldn't feel my knees, couldn't feel my legs, and it was the most humbling thing I'd ever experienced. Because in that moment, I started getting passed by people that were about 85 years old. I was getting passed by people that clearly were not prepared because they're wearing skinny jeans in the race or they're dressed up like a banana. And you're like, what in the world is happening in my life right now? And I remember other moments in I'm running this race and I'm getting passed by, you know, people that are wheeling themselves literally through the race. And I remember getting passed by people that looked like my grandma. And I just, I kept thinking to myself, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? It was one of the most humbling moments that I've ever experienced. If you ever want to be truly humbled, run a race, and it will humble you. But you get to a point about the last three miles of the race, and there will be hundreds, if not thousands of people, lining the, the raceway and lining the roads, and they'll have signs that they've made up, and some of them are very specific, like, go, Bob, go. And then there's other ones that will just say, worst parade ever. And then there's other ones that say, don't worry, there's pizza at the end. And that's enough to keep me going. But as I, I remember that race, I just remember that those people lining those roads, holding those signs, cheering you on, cowbells the whole last mile, it's what keeps you going at the end of one of those races. And just last April, I ran a 10K down in Richmond, Virginia, and it was the same thing. The last mile is, is I can't feel my legs, and I'm just like, Lord, please get me through. And you hear the bells going, and everyone's cheering you along. And I remember it pushed me to that last mile. It pushed me to the finish line and across that finish line. But it was after that race that I got home and I developed this tightness in my chest. It just felt like I couldn't breathe. I was like, I don't know. I probably should have trained for this race because my chest is feeling tight. My legs are sore. And then the chest tightness just continued and it continued and eventually it turned into a cough and that cough, I was like, okay, maybe I got like walking pneumonia or something. I had dealt with that in the past. And so I went to our urgent care. I said, hey, just give me the Z-Pack, get me out and get me better because that's all I need. I need the Z-Pack. And so I took the five days worth of medicine and then I just kept getting all these phone calls and I'm like, man, I know how these places work. They're just trying to get me to go back in and spend more money and I'm cheap. So I like coupons, and so I ain't going in and spending more money on this doctor visit. And then they called my wife. If they ever call your wife, you're in serious trouble. Can I get an amen, men? Because they call your wife, you know that you're going to have to do something. So they called my wife, and they said, hey, your son, or your, your son, your husband has not answered his phone. And I said, she said, she texted me, call them back now. She does not talk like that. That was just my illustration, so... Um, she texted me and said, you need to call them back. And so I called back and they said, hey, our radiologist took a second look at your x-ray that told us that you had walking pneumonia and we just want to get you uh, in and, and take another look at that if you don't mind. And okay, whatever you say, I'll listen so that I don't get in trouble at home. And so I went in for a scan and it was when I had a CT scan that they told me that there was a, a five-inch mass sitting on my chest. And so last June, I was diagnosed with stage 2, non-Hodgkin's, primary mediastinum large B-cell lymphoma at 33 years old. And I said to myself, 33? Cancer? At first they said lymphoma, and I thought that meant like Lyme's disease, that I'd gotten bit by a bad tick or something. I was clueless. I had no clue. 
what was in store for my life. Over the past 10 months, I've experienced more life than I had ever planned on at the age of 33. I went through six different rounds of chemo, spent over 30 nights in the hospital, 20 rounds of radiation, lost all my hair. I lost my eyebrows too, which by far was the worst part. The last two rounds, people couldn't even tell when I was making a facial expression. I developed a blood clot in my arm and in my neck, so I had to give myself two shots in the stomach every day for over 90 days. It was one of those experiences that you're never prepared for. When life hits you like that, you're never prepared. I remember as I went into that second round or the third round of chemotherapy, at that point I'd been over two months of treatment, but I didn't know if any of it had worked because you don't do a scan until halfway through to know if the, the tumor's even shrinking. And so you're just sitting there waiting and, and waiting. And I felt stuck. I felt like I was trapped. Now, I'm married to a counselor, my wife. She's incredible. If you ever, you'll see her because she's the tallest one in the room almost all the time. Uh, when Chris, Pastor Chris says that we married up, literally, I married up because it's like I got to get on a ladder to give her a kiss. But she's a therapist. She does uh, counseling for teens and adolescents. And so it's always challenging when you're married to a counselor because she always wants to know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? For me, it's just, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. I never quite knew how to put into words everything that I was experiencing. But deep down below the surface, even though I may have said everything was good, even though I put on my pastoral face and, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with faith. Even though I put on my Christian face and I, I said, I believe God's going to heal me. There were moments right before that happened that I was trapped. That I really felt paralyzed. That, that I felt like I was standing in a glass box yelling at the top of my lungs, but nobody could hear. And I'd ask you this morning, what is it that you feel trapped by? What is it in your life that's, that's kept, kept you paralyzed, that's kept you trapped, that feels like you have no hope? Maybe for you it's a relationship or a financial situation. It's an issue that you've been dealing with at home or at work. Here's what I've learned in this season, is that our God is too faithful to keep us where we are. Our God is too faithful to keep us stuck. And so I'm thankful in my life for a God that gets us out of where we are, who doesn't allow us to stay stuck where we are. And I'm thankful for friends in this season more than ever that, don't, that didn't leave me stuck on the map. In February, I received my remission status that I was cancer-free. And so... As we continue to process everything, as we continue to process everything that we've walked through, we're constantly reminded of this one fact, is that our God is always faithful. We live right outside of Quantico, Virginia. It's home of every Marine ever. Do I have any Marines in here? Any, any retired Marines? If I do, hoorah. Amen. There we go. The, the status of, or one of the mottos of the Marine Corps, Semper Fidelis, 
means always faithful. As I get to serve in an incredible area, I'm reminded of our God, who is always faithful. He doesn't allow us to stay stuck where we are. I want to look at a story to help you get unstuck, but also to see the part that you get to play in helping people experience the more that God has for them in this life. In Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The man, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. There's three things I want us to look at in this verse, and just three things that I believe will help unpack what God wants to do more of in your life as we look towards Easter Sunday, just three weeks away. The first thing that we see in this story is that there were four men who were willing to bear some burdens. They were willing to bear the burden that God had placed on them. You see, if they, they could have been walking down the road and just kind of with their head down, not really paying attention to what was happening around them, not paying attention to the life that was happening around them. But instead, they kept their head up, and as they walked down the road, they began to see this man who'd been stuck on this mat, lame on this mat for years and years and years. And they understood that they needed to do one thing. They needed to get this person into the presence of Jesus. They needed to do whatever it took to get this person into the presence of Jesus. They understood that the burden was on them. I think for a lot of us, sometimes we get trapped by an excuse that the enemy tells us time and time again, that someone else will do it. Someone else will get around to it. Maybe there's someone in your life, someone that maybe you know needs to experience the presence of God for the very first time, but you're waiting on someone else to do it. I want to assure you that it's your responsibility. It's your burden to carry. And so these men, they're, they're walking, and they, they come across this man, and they have an opportunity. They could simply, you know, hand an invite card. Hey, it's Easter at Evangel. Here you go, man, on the mat. I'm going to put it in your cup. Enjoy. See you later. Hope you can make it. Or they can bear the burden and carry the weight of this man, literally 
and physically to the presence of Christ. They could have simply said, hey, you're going to need to call an Uber. Be there in about 15 minutes because it starts right on time. Be there 9 a.m. Easter Sunday. But they understood. They had the responsibility to bring that person to the presence of Christ. And so I would challenge you that over these next three weeks, God's going to place someone in your life. Maybe that person that you've been waiting to invite to church with you. I would say instead of just simply handing them a piece of information, go the extra step and bear the burden. Maybe for you that means making a a larger Easter lunch so that you can feed a few extra people that are going to join you that day. Maybe for you it just simply means getting a cup of coffee at at 8.15 in the morning and making sure you drive by and pick that person up so that they can sit with you. And guess what? I'm even bringing you your favorite coffee. Sometimes allowing people to experience more, there's going to be a cost that's associated with it. And we have to bear that burden. It's the burden that God has placed on us, the burden to see more in the lives of other people. So what burdens are, is God asking you to bear this morning? These men understood it. They understood that they had to carry this man physically, the weight of him, to the presence of Christ. So they each pick up a corner of this mat, and I just imagine it, it not probably being the lightest. This guy couldn't carry any of his own weight, and so they had to be willing to lift whatever it took And they walked for however long, however far it was to get to this house. Could have been a mile, could have been a 5K, could have been a 10K. For all we know, it was a full marathon that they carried this guy for. And finally, they get him to this house. They buried, they they bared the weight of this man the entire way. And then they get to this house, and what do we see? We see a church, we see a room that was so full of people that they couldn't even get in the doors. And I look around these rooms, and it's incredible to see all that God is doing here at Evangel Church. I believe that over the next three weeks, you're going to see God do more. That you're going to see Ephesians 3.20 lived out here in this sanctuary. That we'll see abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine in the lives of people accomplished in this room. But just like in this story, you have to make sure that you make room for more. I've been in church now almost 17 years, and it gets very easy to just get comfortable in our church pew, to say, oh, Pastor Chris, that's such a cute announcement. Thank you. I'm glad you're doing a 730, but that's not for me. One o'clock, I'm going to have lunch ready by then. But you see, just like in this story, there was no room left. So these men had to do whatever it takes. And now we want you to do whatever it takes, but at the same time, a lot of you already know Christ. And so we want you to help eliminate obstacles from other people getting to experience the more. And so for you, you may be in here and you may be comfortable attending the 9 a.m. or the 11 a.m., but what if for one week, if you have no one coming with you on Easter Sunday, which you should, that maybe you would attend the 7.30 or the 1 o'clock so that you could create room for more, so that people didn't have to cut down the ceiling to get in here because that's going to be expensive to fix. (laughs) Would you create more room? Because God wants to move in the lives of people, 
But we also have to be obedient in what God's asking us to do. And so these men, they get there and they're carrying this man and they realize, what are we going to do now? We can't even get in. It's so busy. It's so full. There's no room left. They're blocking the doors. And so they decide, all right, it might be time to break some rules. Now, as I think about life, as I think about my life, as I think about the life that we shared, Pastor Chris and I growing up, I could tell you story upon story upon story of times that we had to break some rules. Now, I want to save face for your pastor uh, this morning, and so I'm not going to go into all the detail of stories of us breaking rules. But I can tell you about clubhouses that were built and then burnt down. And I can tell you about things. I'll stop now. <laughs> but for me, uh, growing up, I was not a rule follower. To this day, I, I, I like to think that I follow all the rules, but there's still times that maybe I don't play by the rules. I think sometimes God's asking us to break the rules as well. So these men... They're carrying this man. They get there, and then they need to figure out what to do. And so they're probably just sitting there thinking, all right, what do we do now? We carried him all this way, can barely feel my arms, but we got to get him into the presence of Christ. We don't know how they got him onto the roof. When you think about it, uh, the roofs, they weren't crazy tall, but they had to at least be tall enough. So I don't know if some of them were Cub Scouts or Eagle Scouts, and they developed some type of pulley system, or maybe they did, you know, like what you do with little kids, and they each just grabbed a corner of the mat and, you know, one, two. Oh, he, he, we, let's try that again. We missed. I don't know. We don't know exactly how they got him on the roof, but they got him on the roof. And I don't know if Eagle Scout Bill was just carrying a shovel and decided, all right, now we've got to dig a hole. Let's just dig a hole through the roof. And one of the things that you, you look at when you study architecture back in this time is you look at the makeup of roofs. And roofs back in that day were made of a mixture of dirt, water, mud, manure, and some grass seed. And, and grass would eventually grow on the tops of the roof. It was like this built-in air conditioning system. So if you're ever looking for a way to alleviate the heat, just plant some grass on your roof and save some money. Um, but there's, there's this roof, and it's made out of all of this different mixture, and they get out their shovel, they start clawing with their hands. Just, just picture it. And, um, I'll, I'll say this, that sometimes it's so easy for us to just look at the surface and think everything's okay with people. That maybe you have friends or you have coworkers, you have family members that, that on, on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, they're on vacation all, their time, all the time. Their kids are constantly smiling and always behaved. And you know that that's the biggest lie in the world. That deep down, they're struggling. That deep down, they're hurting. That deep down, they're looking for a savior. So many times it's easy for us to just accept that, that surface-level answer. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm fine. But God's going to put people in your path over these next few weeks. They may act like they have it all together. They may have more money, more cars, a larger house, take more vacations than you ever will. But deep down, there's a hole they have the greatest need ever, and that's the, the need to experience the presence of Jesus. And that's what these men understood at this time. 
And so they're clawing through, and just picture it. Just picture it right now. Just look up right here, and all of a sudden, you can just see the sun. And literally, their ceiling falling down. We'd be kind of freaking out, wouldn't we? We'd probably run out of the building thinking that there's an earthquake or a tornado, and we better just get out as fast as we can. And all of a sudden, this man begins to get lowered into the presence of Jesus. He begins to get lowered, lower and lower. I like to think that maybe they dropped him. Oops, Jesus, we know you can heal him, so just keep going. And here's one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned is that just one moment in the presence of Christ has the ability to change everything. Just that one encounter changes all of it. We have a responsibility to get people to experience a moment in the presence of Christ. We have to bear the burden that God has laid on us. Ultimately, we may have to break a a few rules in order to do it. But one moment in the presence of Christ can change everything. So these men, they understood that that moment can change everything. So they lowered this man down. And I I believe that in that moment, they knew who Jesus was. Because otherwise, they wouldn't have carried this man all the way. They wouldn't have paid the price and broke rules in order to do it. But they get him into the the presence of Jesus. And you'd, you'd have to imagine that in this moment that they're expecting God to do what God does, what Jesus had been doing all the while. He's going to turn water into wine and just pour it over this dude's head. And all of a sudden, dude's going to be running around doing jumping jacks. Or he's going to spit in some mud and, you know, put it over his leg. And the guy's just going to jump up. But he doesn't right away. Jesus, instead of going straight to healing him, he first says this. He says, son, actually he says, because of their faith, you've been healed. And before that, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, before these men got to see the miracle, before this guy, this lame man got to see the miracle in his life, Jesus had to deal with the root of the issue before he got to experience the fruit of the miracle. And there may be people in your life, you may be in this room this morning, and God right now is just trying to deal with your root issue. He's trying to help you get up off of your mat. Because Jesus, he tells us, just as he did this man, he says, get up, take your mat, and walk. I believe he's telling us this because he doesn't want us to forget where we came from. He doesn't want us to forget our story. I remember 17 years ago, I was playing basketball in our neighborhood, and me and a couple other guys and this little short, stocky kid came bolting up the hill from a church camp. He said, Sean, 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 I need to tell you something. Okay, whatever you say, bud. He said, I went to this church camp, and I learned about Jesus. I said, yeah, like the Jesus that, you know, we used to go to church and get these free peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because we had no money. You talking about that one? Uh, Different than that. It's different. I need to tell you about how I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Dude, I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. And he just kept telling me 
for months and months and months and months and months. What you don't understand about me is that I was way far away from what I am today. I remember at that, that time of my life, I was wearing T-shirts. On the front, there'd be guys just giving the middle finger to everybody, literally. I'd have to go to school and turn my shirt inside out. And on the back of those shirts, it would say things like, Christians, go home. I hated the church. I hated Christians. I hated what was happening, what I was experiencing in life. And everything that the church represented. I was as far away from God as I could have been. Cursed like a sailor. And yet your pastor, Pastor Chris, understood that God had called me for more. That he had made me for more. So he continued to invite me. And invite me. And invite me. And for months and months and months, he would invite me. And I'd say, no, no, no. Stop it, church guy. No. Until I got to a point that deep down I was broken. I was hurting. I was looking for an answer, and I just didn't know what that answer was. But he never gave up. He understood that I was made for more. And he was going to do whatever it took to get me into the presence of Jesus. So eventually it came time, and I knew that I was desperate. I needed help. He said, hey, I'm going to take you to church with me. So we rolled up in his little purple Geo Metro. It was legit. I mean, when we drove by, the girls were like, look at that purple car. That's cute. And I remember I went to church for a few months, and eh, it's kind of weird. Not my thing. It was 17 years ago last weekend that I gave my life to Christ at, at Pendell Youth Convention. And I didn't know at the time. I didn't see it fully like I see it now. See, your pastor was willing to see that I was made for more. Even though I could have been the, the guy who came to church with people giving the middle finger all over his shirts, telling people I hate them, and Christians go home, he was willing to take a risk on me. He was willing to break some rules and do whatever it took so that I could experience the presence of God in my life. And because he didn't want me to stay stuck on my mat, he didn't want me to stay stuck where I was, he led me to Christ. He brought me into the presence of Jesus. And I get to stand here today because of him. But here's what I also know, is that there are a thousand more just like me. There's a thousand more just like him. People in your lives, people that you share a cubicle with or that you live next door to, some of them you even share a house with that God has called them to do more, to be more. But you have to be obedient in following and bearing the burden that God has laid on your heart. So I'd ask you this morning, who's that person that may be close to you, but far from God? They're close to you, but far from God. It's a saying we use a lot in our church, but I, I would say this, 
that closeness is not just a relationship. Because there are going to be people in your life that you are close to. That maybe it's a, a brother or a sister, a mom or a dad, a, a child, a, a son or a daughter. But it could also be that barista at Starbucks. It could be the person that you just happen to be getting. Or no, you guys don't get out of the car to get gas. I always forget I'm in New Jersey. It could be the person that you share that cubicle with. God is wanting to do more through you over these next few weeks. And watch as God does miracles here on Easter Sunday. There are some resources that are going to be out in the foyer this morning. Carly, if you could bring that to me. Give it up for my amazing wife. Isn't she tall? She's so tall. There's going to be some yard signs out in the foyer. I challenge you. Pick one of these up. Place it anywhere that you can. High traffic areas, place it in your yard. Anywhere that people are going to see it. Help get the word out. I believe, like I said, on Easter Sunday, you're going to see Ephesians 3.20 lived out. More than you could ever ask or imagine. You'll see miracles walking out of this place on Easter Sunday. Grab a poster, put it at your workspace, stop at the local coffee shop, hang it up. Maybe they don't even let you, but you kind of sneak it up somewhere. You break some rules. Maybe for you, it's at your workspace. You have an employees-only area, and there's an opportunity for you to hang this sign up. Take a chance this Easter, and I promise you, as I said, God is always faithful. And God is going to move amongst this church. He's going to move in your life. One of the most challenging things that you could ever do is have someone sitting next to you on Easter Sunday. We can program all the new songs, all the new videos that you could ever want. You want to see church differently. Have someone sit next to you that doesn't know Jesus. And so who is that one person the next three weeks that you'll commit to inviting over and over and over again, that you'll pray for on Wednesday nights, and you'll just continue to believe that God is going to do a miracle in their life, that even if they don't give their life to Christ on Easter, that even if they don't show up on Easter, you're going to continue to pursue them. You're going to bear the burden, carry the weight of their life because you understand that they were made for more. So I want to give you three simple things, real simple, to do over the next few weeks. Number one, keep your head up. It's so easy to go about life just keeping your head down, doing the things that you do, doing the things that we always just do. Keep your head up. Stay in tune. If these guys would have been walking down the road with their head down, they would have missed this man lying on the mat. So keep your head up. Second thing is this, keep your eyes open. Look for those opportunities. God is placing opportunities in front of you more often than you see. Sometimes all we have to do is just keep our eyes open. You're going to hear someone that says, hey, I'm new around here. I'm looking for a church. Keep your eyes open. You're going to see someone that's maybe going through life, that they've had a loved one pass away or they're experiencing life. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes open. And finally is keep your heart engaged. The next three weeks and, and beyond, Keep your heart engaged. Be praying for what God's going to do here on Easter Sunday.
Keep praying over the people that God has placed on your heart to believe that God is going to do more than you could ever ask or imagine in their lives. And you're going to have opportunities. I lost my invite card. Found it. You're going to have opportunities as you find people in your sphere of influence that are hurting, that are broken, to simply extend an invitation to bear a burden and get them, bring them, and sit with them on Easter Sunday. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? There's some of you that are here this morning and you've yet to understand that you were made for more. Maybe you've been trapped and feeling like you've been stuck on the mat. That maybe for you, you've been stuck in that place of, of broken relationships, of really not understanding what God is wanting to do in your life. Maybe for you, you've just felt so distant from God. You've been walking around like you've got it all together, yet you haven't experienced a moment in the presence of Jesus. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity to enter a relationship with him. Romans 8 says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. I want you to understand this morning that you've been created, that you've been designed for more in this life, and that more is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, sin has entered this world, that we've been born broken. We've been born with that hole within us that only Jesus can fill. And ultimately, in order to fill that hole, God sent his one and only son on a cross. He died a torturous death so that you and I could experience that hole in our lives being filled. But he didn't stop with just dying on a cross. Three days later on Easter, he raised to life again, fulfilling all of what he said he was and who he said he was. And so I'd ask you this morning, if that's you and you're in this room and today you want to experience the more of a relationship with Christ, would you just slip up your hand and I'd love an opportunity to pray for you specifically. I see your hands. and Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand, I just want you to pray this prayer after me. And if everyone would just pray it aloud with us together to say, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for designing me for more. Lord, I'm sorry that maybe I have missed the mark. Today, I pray that you'd enter my life. Fill that void. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Today, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, can we give it up for those who gave their lives to Christ this morning? Would you stand with me across the room? Understand if you just prayed that prayer, you were made for more. That God is wanting to tell a greater story through your life. If everyone in the room standing, you just hold your hands out like this. Just a sign of surrender. I just want us to pray together. I want to take an opportunity to pray over you. 
that as we surrender our lives to him over these next three weeks, that God would use these hands in a way that maybe we've never experienced before, that we break outside of our, our own comfort zone to experience the more that God has for us. And so, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's within the sound of my voice, whether they're here or watching online. Lord, I pray this morning that you would allow us to be used for more. Lord, I pray that as we keep our heads up, our eyes open and our heart engaged, that we would see you do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine in the lives of people. Lord, use us over these next three weeks. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Amazing what God is doing in the hearts and lives of people who are willing just to surrender to him. Church, there's two things I wanna just remind you of. First is, for those of you that just made a decision to follow Jesus, this is the most important decision you ever made in church family. Come on, there's a celebration in heaven. Let's celebrate with them. Here's what I want you to do right now. One thing, I want to know that you've done that. I want to connect with you and uh, to make the most of our time here and just to make it as easy as possible. Pull out your phone right now if you said yes to Jesus. And would you send a text message to that number? Just send the word Jesus to 908-325-5163. That'll let me know. And we'll, they'll give me a chance to connect with you and help you understand how we could walk with you in that journey. If someone didn't walk with Pastor Sean and I, we wouldn't be here together. It's so important that you don't walk this journey alone. We want to celebrate that decision with you. For everyone else, as you leave here today, ask that question, Lord, who is the one more that you've put in my life? There are yard signs outside as you leave today. There are invite cards. Take a stack of them, not just one. There are posters. Make sure that you grab some resources and make the most of this time that God's given us. Let's make the most of this opportunity. Amen? Amen. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just bless, Lord God, uh, the word that has gone forth. May it find good, uh, fertile soil in our hearts, Lord God. I pray for Pastor Sean and Carly right now and for Judah. In the name of Jesus, we pray your hand over his life. We thank you for the good report, Lord God. We pray that you would protect them, that you would keep them, that you would enrich them, Lord God, that you would increase uh, what you're doing in their lives, Lord God. And would you give them an amazing season, Lord God, not just a ministry, Lord God, but as a family, Lord God, would you pour your blessing into their lives, Lord God? Would you redeem the, the difficulty and the challenges that they've even gone through in this season? And would they see your victory in every part of their lives, we pray. So Lord, we commit this body to you, Lord God. We commit each one to you. We pray, Lord, that we would experience the more that you've made us for and that those around us would as well. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody, let's praise the Lord today. God is good. If you need prayer today. We're going to have some prayer team up here. I believe we have some youth that are even ready to pray with you. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, But as you go today, go and receive those resources. And we'll see you on Wednesday night at the prayer meeting and next Sunday. God bless.